This morning we've heard the story of the wise men coming to pay homage to the Christ child. We've asked four people to, come, to bring a creche or a nativity set and share about its meaning for them. First we'll hear from Sylvia Shirk and then Ruth Nisley at Esther Nelson and Lisa Hughes. In our multi-generational household, during Advent, Mary, Joseph, and their donkey traveled for four weeks from the farthest corner of the kitchen, and the children were moving them just a bit closer every day. And they finally arrived at the cardboard stable in Bethlehem on December 24th. Early December 25, the baby Jesus was in the manger, and the angel appeared with a star. Also on December 25, the Magi in the east saw the star and began their journey from a very different far corner of the house. They haven't arrived yet in Bethlehem. They are still on the road, and every day the children are moving them a little closer. The wise ones with their gifts are expected to arrive on January 6, when we get to share a special cake and to crown somebody royalty for the day. All of this journeying, and especially the long trek of pregnant Mary, coincided for me in this season with the life stories of Haitian migrant families that I've been hearing in my work as an interpreter. I have sat in maternity clinics with more than one pregnant woman who began her journey in the spring of 2022, starting in Chile, in the southernmost tip of the Americas, traveling on foot sometimes, or by bus, occasionally by air. Haitian migrants and asylum seekers are on the move sometimes seven to nine months. Where were you before you came to this country, the immigration attorney asks as they fill out their request for asylum. Well, they say, we left Chile, we came through Peru and Ecuador and Colombia, and this was the most dangerous part, traveling from Colombia to Panama, and then through Costa Rica and Nicaragua and Honduras and Guatemala and Mexico. After being blocked at the US-Mexico border for months, some have now been admitted. And at the moment, 
A large number of migrants are being sheltered in an abandoned hotel near the Portland airport as they try to figure out what will be next. Today, New Year's Day, is a historic celebration for the people of Haiti. It's Freedom Day, a commemoration of January 1st, 1804, when Haiti became the first black republic in the world and the first country in the Western Hemisphere to abolish slavery, 1804. On that New Year's Day, the free Haitian people ate pumpkin soup, a meal that in slavery times was only available to the masters. In Haitian Creole, it's called soup jumu. And to honor their heritage and the gifts that they bring, and to stand with them in hope for the well-being of all Haitians, I have cooked up a pot of soup jumu, and I will be glad to share some of it with you downstairs after the service. This first day of 2023, I pray with all people everywhere who, like the Magi, are searching for good news and whose hearts are yearning for liberation that Mary sang about in her Magnificat. And I pray that in our journeyings in this new year, we may arise together and find that our light has come. Happy New Year. As a social worker, I lived in Korea for, oh, I think it was eight years or so. And I really liked living in Korea. There was something about the Korean people that was so engaging. In fact, they have been called the Irish of the Orient. <laughs> and I remember that the old, oldest person on staff was the head of the nursing department, and she played with us on the floor in games. And I also remember that any group of Koreans gathered together could sing well. And strangely, I also remember that I was once dressed in a hongbok which is the traditional Korean uh, dress for women and played a role in some activity that was going on at the office. And 
The crèche that I brought today is here on the table. It's this wooden one at the corner. And I bought that when I lived in Korea. I sent it home to my parents as a gift. And by pattern in our family, often the gift given goes back to the giver so that when my mother and father had both died, it came back to me. And I treasure it greatly. The second one that I brought is over here on this corner, and it's from Peru. I bought it when I was a volunteer at 10,000 Villages. And that one attracted me by the incredible uniqueness of the mom and pop. But always, I'm in just awed, I'm intrigued when I see a baby Jesus. And you can look at both of those baby Jesuses and, and, and I think be inspired. There's something so pure about seeing that baby. And I often read Madeline LaAngle during the holiday season. And I've mentioned this, I think, to some of you. She says, this is the irrational season when love blooms bright and wild. Had Mary been filled with reason, there had been no room for a child. And when I think of that, I say, Lord, give us great irrationality. Let us find it. Let us quit believing that wars are okay. Let us quit a, a number of other things. Let's be totally rational. And that's the gift of the holiday. When I worked at 10,000 Villages, it was always great pleasure to unpack the crush sets as they came in each year. Incidentally, the, uh, the price of the set was always on the back of the baby Jesus, <laughs> which speaks something of who he is. You know, he's the important person in this scene. <laughs> um, and uh, living in Korea, I lived in Lithuania also. I've lived in a few other countries and seeing the holiday that we call Christmas celebrated in various ways in various places speaks so greatly, so deeply of the universality of the gospel and the wideness of God's love because he simply loves everybody, everybody in the whole wide world. And thinking about that, just is such a deep blessing. I am a part of a very large family. I have a large group of friends. I have you here at Portland Mennonite as friends who care and love. And I chose, I choose not to live without letting myself love and be loved. But I think of God as the reason we can love each other. God is love. 
and he loves us, and we can then love each other. Our family nativity set reflected my Finnish heritage, a limited number of minimalist figures in natural spruce and pine. All gathered, they occupied about as much space as a small dinner plate. I love this spare but intimate assembly, so quiet and so tender. But one day, a box, a very large Costco-sized box wrapped in bright Christmas paper, appeared on our porch. We pulled the richly colored figures from their styrofoam packaging one by one. Three wise men, two on large camels, a shepherd boy, a couple sheep, a cow, a donkey, Mary, Joseph, a manger, and a baby, <clears throat> a stable, a hovering angel, a star, altogether a large, elaborate display. <clears throat> the package tag, let us know that we had been gifted by the Nabavis, our Shiite Muslim friends. <clears throat> the Nabavis had been highly placed in the Iranian government and, with the overthrow of the Shah in 1978, were forced to flee. Although they had money and education, they faced a harsh late-life relocation to Portland, Oregon. My husband and I, remembering our days in Iran, we're happy to befriend them, often sharing gorgeous meals, celebrating their Muslim festivals, Ramadan, Eid al-Fitr, Eid al-Adha, Muharram. It could be coincidence, but I think not. At Christmas, our Muslim friends chose to gift us not with Santa decorations or kitchen appliances, but to acknowledge our God story. Our relationship involved no competition, no effort to convert, no insistence on a right or superior way to know God. I am, however, grateful that I have met God through Jesus, the most loving and the most demanding of all God's overtures to humankind. Although I would not have chosen this nativity scene, I have kept a few pieces over many years and several downsizings for the special history and message they carry. I just have to hold this so you can actually see the size. <laughs> they call these uh, sorpresas. Um, and as many of you know, I lived for five and a half years in um, El Salvador. And it was a very poignant time in my life. I went when I was 25, and I returned when I was around 30. Um, very formative years, shook up my life, set the course of my life. 
I like to say that un pedacito de mi corazón is guanaca. Um, guanaca is, is a beast of burden. It's the term within Central America that other Central Americans refer to Salvadorans. Um, it can be a derogatory term, but it's also claimed as love. So it's just a little piece of my heart is Salvadoran. Um, this crush comes from a small town called Ilovasco, um, just uh, about 30 miles northeast of the capital. Uh, it's not the area of the country I was in. There are clay mines throughout the country. The area of the country I was in, Chalatenango, they actually make uh, cantaros, like water containers and stuff from the clay. Uh, in 1932, a lot there was a big massacre of indigenous people. 32,000 people were massacred as they were um, rising up to demand better treatment on the, uh, I believe it was coffee plantations back then. Um, and so after that, the indigenous culture was wiped out either by mandate or fear. There's two different versions. Um, but people lost their language and their traditional dress. Um, but one of the things that has remained is this craft um, from particularly in that part of the country. And they make these little teeny intricate miniatures. Um, and they make them of all different scenes, but um, that one in particular is just the little intricate um, nativity. And it's been very, as a person who has moved a lot through my life, it's also very uh, practical in the sense that it can it can go with me. Uh, I don't need a big box to package it up. Um, just one other thing I want to say about uh, I, I, my time in El Salvador that I feel like I, I think of during this time and with the baby Jesus is I had the opportunity, which you don't get anymore, particularly after the pandemic, to hold a lot of babies in El Salvador even riding on um, buses, the buses would often be full and people would end up standing in the aisle. And if a mother would get on the bus with a baby, instead of all the sh shifting and moving of people to allow her to sit, you would often just hold out your hands and take the baby and hold, hold a stranger's baby on your lap. I would usually try and keep the baby turned away from me because if they looked and saw the white face, they'd, they'd often be rather sh uh, shocked and surprised. But it was a very precious thing uh, when we, we think about the, the tenderness of baby Jesus and babies everywhere. Um, and I, I, miss, I miss holding those babies. And I hope that we can remember that tenderness. I think tenderness in relationships throughout the pandemic, some of that has been uh, lost uh, as we keep ourselves physically distanced. Um, so I hope we can re-nurture some of that in 2023. Thank you.